That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast re-watching and discussing Batman v Superman, one minute at a time. Sometimes those minutes are very heavy with mythological and figurative meaning, and sometimes they are just advancing the plot incrementally. Or sometimes, in the case of Minute 94, doing both? Let's find out. <laughs> Master Wayne... Mr. Wayne, I'm I'm teeing I'm I'm teeing you up here with that introduction. I will I'll say like the one thing that stands out in this minute to me before we arrive at your topic of conversation is obviously we concluded with Jeremy Irons as Alfred in a beautiful masterful twist of an actor's choice missing the log that he was chopping. Yes, right as the minute ended. Thankfully, he, he had more successful strokes uh, before and after because the scene continues with him carrying this this bundle of, of firewood back into Bruce's house. We get another lovely shot of Zach's car, which is always a delight. But it's the the Aston Martin he got because they liked 300 so much. Like the rest of the world. Yeah. The one thing that stands out from this is to me as Alfred brings the firewood in is he's bringing in firewood to, to <laughs> into this space, which has never looked more stark mm-hmm. than it does in this scene where it seems like that table that they were standing at earlier, that's just a table in the corner of the room. There's nothing else. There is a, a desk, a, a breakfast table, apparently a fireplace and Bruce's bedroom. And that is it. I like that he left the Wayne Manor to live in like a literal cave. Mm-hmm. I just, I just like the parallel there that now, even as Bruce, he is living even more of a like bat, you know, cave ex- experience lifestyle than we, when he's in the literal bat cave. The the trappings of of Bruce Wayne. We've we've talked a lot about the split between Bruce Wayne and and Batman, and how like by the time of the nightmare, like Bruce Wayne is gone and literally it's just the black eyes and the black face, and how. Um, the sort of persona of Bruce is is bleeding into him even more now. And I think that the lake house is a really interesting aspect of that with how stark it is because all of the, if they were in Wayne Manor, he'd be surrounded by family heirlooms and family, like Wayne family history, but he doesn't have any of that here. It's, it's like the, the public facing persona of Bruce Wayne still exists. He goes to galas and, and dresses up in a suit and pretends to be drunk. But then he goes home and Bruce Wayne is there, there's nothing of his life as Bruce present. There's nothing personal. It's just cold and stark, except over by the, the window or the wall, I guess the glass wall is a vase or from what I've been able to determine, it's a crater, which is a, yep. it's a big Greek reservoir to hold um, hold wine. They would have like uh, symposiums where they would fill it with. Uh, uh, well, at the start, they would elect 
somebody from the party who was responsible for observing and kind of moderating the crater. And then the crater was used to dilute the wine with water. And so the, the symposiarch's job was to make sure that the dilution was enough to stop the party from getting too drunk so that they could drink all this wine and, and enjoy their revelry, but so that no one would get like stupid because the Greeks really looked down on drunkenness as a sign of like lacking principles or, um, or, or having no restraint. Um, and so it's interesting when you come in here and that he's got nothing, no anything except for this ornamental um, vase or this uh, crater, which, and I believe this one looks like it's like maybe bronze. It's made out of some kind of metal, I think, not like a pot, uh, like a pottery or a stone one even, which is also interesting because that's a sign of like high society because a lot of the um, the metal ones didn't survive because they were recyclable. They got broken down and turned into something else over over time. So the significance of, of Bruce having this in his lake house or even like in his bedroom as the prominent thing in front of the window is fascinating because the sort of motif in this movie when it comes to alcohol has always been deception. How everyone who is offered a drink or takes a drink. I mean, we just finished Granny's Peach Tea. I mean, that's where that originated from was she was offered bourbon um, and she said, I'm not, you know, you're not going to fool a fly or me. I'm not going to drink it. And then Diana always refuses alcohol. And so then right in the middle of where Bruce Wayne lives, the only thing that seems to be anchored to him other than his car, right, that makes him like Bruce Wayne is this this crater. And so if you go along with kind of the, th- the theme of what is this and what does it mean, would that mean that he is the one that is then in charge of how diluted it is? And we've seen him drink in this very same room just off the off in the corner where his bed is and that was when he woke up from his nightmare with the bat and he took pills and drank straight out of a of a wine bottle which is specifically the fact that you have this thing in there that's meant for diluting wine and Greeks didn't only consider being drunk this sign of disrespect, but actually drinking undiluted wine in and of itself was a sign of a drunkard or the sign of someone who who lacked principles uh, and then so also the fact that Alfred is here in this particular scene where this is where it gets focused yeah, add a lot of layers to that about the idea of Alfred's the one that's trying to dilute that the the lies to Bruce, right? He's saying he's not our enemy. He's saying all these things, but this is the moment where he he loses that edge, and we now know that Bruce is is fully into the lie. Uh, you're taking me back to university there. I minored in classics, so that was <laughs> you activated a very different part of my brain. So that was very funny. I never thought of Alfred the symposiarch, but but in this you know depiction of, of Bruce and Alfred, that is a hundred percent what is happening. Is he's doing his best to keep him, or like you're saying, maybe was doing his best, and now this thing is sitting like a relic because Bruce is drinking straight from the bottle now. Right. And also on the thing that you said there, I like it in the context of Bruce is Bruce has removed all everything from his life other than the bat and other than the only thing he has of his family is the trauma that he's dreaming about. If he lived in the house, he would be forced to acknowledge that his family was other things and that his his mother and father were other things, but right now it sure seems like who was my mother? Well, she was lying on the pavement dying. Uh, And who is my father? He was whispering Martha because he failed to act quickly enough or decisively enough. And that's it. I mean, it's it's just another format of the of the drugs and the alcohol, right, is deprive yourself of everything else that is a distraction or, or something that would be calling him back to the light. He's done with it. In this scene, sort of literally because we're back into that like permanent gray dusk <laughs> that this set is always filmed in and, and Bruce's life generally, but this specifically. 
it's totally stripped his life of everything that his family was, like everything good that his parents presumably were. Who is Martha? Oh, Martha's that voice that I hear. My, I, I hear my father saying that in my nightmares, uh, that I've now collapsed into all of the trauma of my life. And I think we talked earlier about specifically like in Wayne Manor and like you go back to like Batman year one where he he sits in that chair in front of the portrait of his dad. And so you look at like that's what Wayne Manor is to him where like his parents are looking over his shoulder judging him. Right. They are. Or I think I also mentioned last time this came up in Mask of the Phantasm, where he's like arguing with them at their grave about, uh, well, I can give money to the city. They can hire more cops. So this is his solution to the conviction provided by his family heritage is to just cut it out and abandon the Wayne uh, legacy. Alfred has been kind of seen like resisting it and he, he resisted here and that he's literally like tending the, the fire. To, to bring warmth into this space. But unfortunately, even if he intended to do that, he finds, hey, fire, that's weird. I didn't mean to draw that analogy or that parallel here. Yeah, I was going to say that's actually the idea of uh, the idea of having a fire in that house kind of fundamentally changes a lot of the things that we've been talking yeah. about, about it being cold and, and like almost inhospitable <laughs> in a way. But then we get our, our little, this is like, a, I think, a really significant plot clarification that some people might miss, which is Alfred comes in and there's obviously the coverage on on TV of the Capitol bombing that is, you know, flooding in. And Alfred is using that to to paint the realization he's coming to here, except the key thing here is that when Bruce asked to see there was a new, you know, paycheck that came from Wallace today, he opened it up and he got the newspaper clipping. You let your family die. That was the Wayne building collapsing during the Metropolis attack. But what we didn't see was the actual paycheck that Wallace uses to create his works of art. And in the one that arrived today, in the one that arrived before the bombing, he drew the U.S. Capitol, you know, the rotunda with the flames. So implicitly, I think we are of the mind. Wallace did not know this was going to happen. So this is this is Lex's doing. And I think this cements it. This is showing that this was premeditated. This was planned. Bruce is even more culpable than he realized, because if he had been watching, he got to that realization briefly that generally I've missed this. Now, specifically, no, you missed this guy saying, I'm going to kill innocents because of Superman. Yeah. Now he's we Alfred finds that paycheck and everything locks into place. And you can see Alfred just like us realizing how inevitable it is that this has now totally just galvanized everything Bruce was talking about and the look of despair on Alfred's face as he knows there's no turning back from this now. Right. Well, and Bruce is already gone. I feel like the other points of the other similar points to this in the movie would be Alfred would go in and Bruce would be there watching the TV and they would have a confrontation where Alfred said, you know, don't don't give into that or that's not the way we operate or or whatever. But no, Bruce, Bruce is already gone. He doesn't even care to consult Alfred. Many meanings here. Yeah. Exactly. He is now physically beyond Alfred's help and morally, you know, beyond Alfred's help, which we knew has been coming. And we've been taking these steps along the way with the break and the argument and now all of this coming. But where did he go? I really I really like that we shift from like in matching minutes, the paramedics emergency response people. We now get those sirens at LexCorp. We don't know what is going on there, but 
it's a way of like physically connecting what happened at the Capitol to what happened here at LexCorp. Mm-hmm. And we get a really like bitchin' cool looking dude arriving <laughs> on a motorcycle to just a scene of total chaos, firebombed, emergency vehicles everywhere, shell casings. This has become a war zone. That's where the minute ends. That's uh, Jason Todd, right? Red Hood? Of course, yeah. Is I would what? assume only only someone as cool as him. Like that was the theory. That was the theory after the first uh, the first trailer. So there's like a red reflection on the helmet. I mean, it's got to be oh, Jason Lord. Todd. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> on that bombshell. <laughs> is this Jason Todd? I guess we won't know until we get to minute 95. I, I never know how far down those rabbit holes to go when I find something like the like the crater. And But I did find that, that was, that's an example of, I don't know how... how cleanly i want to like adhere to it but i i do find it thematically resonant and really kind of enjoy finding little things like that especially in a minute like this where you have alfred walking in and the news is on and it's over his shoulder in the background and bruce is gone he's abandoned like i don't it's it's it all really goes together nicely i like the conclusion that you came to too like even if that's just a piece of set dressing it's what do we want to put there these were used for serving alcohol oh yep yeah. That's Bruce. Yep. Exactly. Well, that, and not then, only served for, for serving alcohol, but explicitly for diluting alcohol. Yeah. For controlling that vice. Yeah. yeah. It is now on a plinth instead of <laughs> in actual use yeah. uh, in Bruce's home. But who is this cool dude on this motorcycle? <laughs> like, I can't wait for Minute 95 to get here to find that out. But in the meantime, that will do it for Minute 94. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. And if you would like to support the show and the coming Justice League by the minute and one day Man of Steel by the minute, you can do so with your dollars at patreon.com slash Snyder Minute or with your downloads by subscribing and reviewing us in iTunes, which is always appreciated, or recommending us in person to a uh, Snyder Cut or Snyder fond friend. We, we always encourage that. You can follow along with the podcast and give us your own thoughts on Twitter at BVS by the minute. And you can find everything we are putting out there at SnyderMinute.com. In the meantime, uh, Stephen, I'm going to ask you to play the symposiarch here and water down my wine. Boy, that sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> Will you be my Alfred? Will you chop my wood and water my wine? <laughs> And how can you hear that? No, I was muted so you couldn't hear my baby crying. Okay, my daughter is singing uh, "Frozen" right above me. 